0: Welcome back. This month is Gender Equality Month, and with us to talk about workplace equality is one of the nation's foremost experts, uh, our Chicago's very own, Andy Kramer. She's a lawyer, a speaker, and a trainer on the topic of gender bias and discrimination in the workplace. Along with her husband, Al Harris, she's authored three award-winning books on this topic. The latest, Beyond Bias, The Path to End Gender Inequality at Work, is a must-read for not only women, but men in the workplace, men who manage women uh, and women who manage themselves. So it's an excellent, excellent book. I highly, highly recommend it. And welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Karen. Okay, I've got to turn you up here. Now, let's say that again. Okay. There we go. Sorry, that was my fault. Not giving a lawyer a microphone is a really dangerous thing. (laughs) Uh, first, let's just talk to our listeners a little bit about how are women doing in the workplace when it comes to fair pay, and also for promotions. Are we still lagging behind in that regard, and 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 have there been improvements?
1: Well, it's a it, it unfortunately it's a very sad story because um, uh, twenty years ago, uh, women's pay parity with men was at eighty percent, and uh 2022 it's at 82%. so what that means is that in the last 20 years women have advanced in their parity only 2% compared to men. Hmm. and of course when we factor in women of color and others the the numbers get even more frightening.
0: And did COVID really cause women to kind of fall behind in the
1: workplace? I've heard that, but I haven't seen the statistics on that. Well, COVID has done two things for women one positive, one negative. The positive part of it is that uh, women who have uh, home responsibilities, childcare responsibilities, are in a position where they're able to uh, juggle both um, work and life. Uh, But the problem is that out of sight, out of mind. And so what happens is women are pushed more to the side. And so the studies show that the women are from COVID uh, have been um, uh, disadvantaged. You know,
0: I I do family law work and I see women who, uh, you know, are married and they take time off to have children or they go part time or they just work, but they take on more of the house responsibilities, the children, the cooking, the, all of that, just because they do, because it's, it's traditional or because they want to or because they think they're better at it or whatever the reason is. And they do it voluntarily and lovingly. But, I always think to myself that that definitely impacts your, your, your pay. It impacts you per, almost permanently sometimes. And although you can't tell somebody what to do with their life and, you know, raising children is the most important thing, you know, in this world to do. So, um, what do you think? Is it possible to take time off? Is it possible to do all of this and still end up uh, on parity with, with men?
1: Well, that's a loaded question. Yes, Uh, (laughs) I know. But um, uh, at least acknowledging that, what I can say is that um, uh, women need to, if they're planning on taking an extended leave, then they need to do that with their eyes open, because they're not going to then Parachute right back into where they were in their careers, and um, uh, the penalties can be very severe for uh, being out of the workplace. Uh, but there are ways that women can um, uh, take family leave or or uh, take care of their children uh, and still. Um, manage to uh, stay equal to the 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 men that they would view as their peers but it's a hard haul and
0: how them. would you do that I mean what are some bullet points I mean I would imagine that it's not just that your your skill set you know and it's not just that you have a blank on your resume for a number of years and maybe you're not going to be taken as seriously coming back into the workplace but but even just the networking and 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 socializing with people who are in your field when you lose that you kind of lose touch with the people who can help you re-enter the workforce or or promote you,
1: well, you've actually answered your own question, which is that if you're going to take an extended leave, then what you really need to do is you need to stay connected. Uh, yeah, and I, that's I, really what the and that's really what the answer to that is. We. Uh, we connected uh, a little
0: while ago. Uh, I don't know if some of you might know that I recently wrote a book that is going to be published this month called Killing Time with John Wayne Gacy. And in the book, uh, it's about my representation of him uh, at the very end in the death row appeals to try to save him from execution, obviously not to release him from, from prison. But in my book, I talk a little bit about my career. So the book is not just about Gacy, but it's about my career and how I was treated differently during the Gacy representation. And I talk about my early career and how it's changed over the 37 years, and I asked Andy, knowing that she knows everything about this topic, and I've read all of her books, and she's been a guest on the show, um, to to address a few of the issues that I had Over my career, and there was one where it was a big firm, and the boss told me, "You don't want to do litigation because you're just you want you're going to want to have children, and that's going to be a bad lifestyle for you." And can you weigh in a little bit about what you told me
1: and what's in my book about that topic? (laughs) I think it's it's great. Well, well, first of all, uh, I want to congratulate you on the book because um, I enjoyed reading it, and uh, uh, I was not prepared to put it down until I got to the end. And so, you did really weave in all sorts of interesting um, perspectives about uh, uh, coming of age and uh, women in the workforce, as well as dealing with, uh, you know, a creepy serial killer (laughs) so so, um, uh, having a a senior partner tell you that um, uh, you don't want to be a litigator even though that that's what you want to be is something that clearly happened uh, back 37 years ago unfortunately it's still today um, going to happen to many women who set their sights on being litigators and the men are not going to say you don't want to be a litigator because you because it's not a good Lifestyle. They just won't give you the projects. They won't give you the career enhancing uh, uh, opportunities that would allow you to grow and become a, a serious litigator. And so that's the that's really the problem now. It's more under it's more more underground. They're not as honest about their views as to whether they want to work with you.
0: And the interesting part of it was that but going back then, I was not as strong as I am now, and I haven't. I wasn't as resilient. But I didn't really even get angry so much because I thought he was trying to do me a favor. I was trying to. I thought it was like you, you call. There's a name for it. Benevolent. Benevolent bias. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he was trying to help me. He was trying to say, Karen, you know, you're you're just you're gonna want to have kids. Just you, you know. No, I'm not gonna put you through this. And I kind of walked away thinking he's a nice guy. And then I thought
1: he just told me I don't really want to do what I've. Spent my whole life trying to do, and the trick there is that what what, and this applies to women and men who are um, uh, being tracked outside of what they want to do. Which is, you have to follow your dream. You have to um, understand uh, and push back. Um, if if he was never going to give you the opportunities that you needed, then you needed to make a change, which is what you actually did. Which is what I what I actually, what you actually did. did. Yeah. Um. And and sometimes you can't fix the situation. Then it's time to make a change.
0: And you know, that's so true. I hear like so many uh, listeners will text me or write me and they'll say, I've got this terrible thing in the workplace. My boss swears at me. My boss does this. My boss, what can I do? And most of the time I say, "Get get another job. And I know that that's wrong and that, you know, but you can't make people be good people and you can't make people treat you correctly. You can choose people, you know, in the workplace who are, will mentor you and help you and promote you and treat you fairly. But can't change people who aren't going to do that. Absolutely not. Unfortunately. We're here talking to Andy Kramer. Her book, uh, her latest book is Beyond Bias, The Path to End Gender Inequality at Work. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about how, what you can do and what uh, your, your employer can do to try to get gender bias out of the workplace, or at least diminish it uh, to the extent that we can. You're listening to The Karen Conti Show on WGN. Welcome back. We're talking to Andy Kramer, Your book, Beyond Bias, The Path to End Gender Inequality at Work, is a great book. Andy, where can people pick
1: up that copy of the book? Uh, their favorite bookstore or Amazon or any of the um, online retailers. And uh, what was the first book you wrote? Can you remind
0: me of the name of that book? Breaking Through Bias. Yeah, and that's a really good book. If you have someone graduating who's a female or a, ne- a niece or a child or whatever who's entering the workforce or is having trouble in the workforce, that's a really good book because it gives you very concrete. It's not one of these books where like they talk about stats and don't give you a way to to help yourself. These are very concrete points about how to think about things and how to get around some of the bias. So I highly recommend that book as well. Before we go to um, the next issue, I want to talk again about my book, uh, Killing Time with John Wayne Gacy. I recount a situation where my law partner and I argue before the U.S. Supreme Court. So we go to Washington. We all go into the area where the people sit uh, to give the arguments. I was the only female at the time. I think there were only maybe 3-4% women arguing there, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, That was many years ago. And um, I had a situation where Sandra Day O'Connor was on the bench, the first female on the bench, and she stopped everything, looked at me, pointed to me, and had her bailiff... Come over and ask me if I were a member of the Supreme Court. Now, that being said, you have to apply ahead of time. You have to have a certificate. You have to sign in. My name was on the program in ink. Uh, there's just no way I would not have been a Supreme Court bar member. I, it, you know, it, it's just, they wouldn't have let me in. How? What do you think happened there? And what to what do you attribute that?
1: Well, the problem is that women hold the same stereotypes about women, men, leaders that men do. And so she's sitting up there and she's made it and she's looking around and she wants to be certain that you're legitimate because she's going to be making sure that there's not going to be any slip ups. And it's a and it's a stereotypical reaction that very often women can be enforcing other women for fear that somehow it would reflect badly on her. How interesting because I mean, I, I knew very well about her
0: career. I mean, she was a top student i believe at stanford and top in her class and she couldn't get a job she was a secretary for a while because no one would hire her because of her gender and here she was kind of doing the same thing that was done to her and i again i don't have any ill will because i later met her and she was gracious and lovely but it was shocking
1: it is it is shocking and it's also very sad and it's very sad because what that does is, for somebody who's not as resilient as you, they could start to have second thoughts about: Am I in the right place? Is this really is this really the right place for me? And
0: I think the statistics kind of bear that out in some way, shape, or form. I know the law schools are fifty fifty gender, male, female, but when you look at who's practicing, it's like thirty nine percent are females, and so there's a lot of attrition. You know, in our profession, that may have something
1: to do with some of this. Well, absolutely, because um, uh, the studies show that women and men, when they start in their careers, have the exact same ambition and expectations and assumptions about their uh, career advancement. And within three or four years, the women have been kind of worn down to the point where they are less confident and less sure about their career uh, career paths than the men are. And that's really pathetic. It, it is, you know,
0: especially when you consider how much time and effort and money you put into your education. Seven years of school is a is a long time to devote yourself to, and then get slapped down by some people who are in, insensitive. Put put it that way. Um, before we go with your the path, which was an interesting thing about how how bosses can kind of change the workplace. Um, tone and try to eliminate or diminish the bias. Can you tell our listeners about bias and how women are perceived differently in the workplace as men? Like, just give me some bullet points on that and how perhaps you can get around some of those biases. Well,
1: that there, there's so many things. Uh, yes. to, yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. a big where, question. Where do I start there? Okay, I'll start with this. A man, he's a, he's, he's, he's a go-getter. She's uh, she's aggressive. There's a different connotation, a go getter. That's a positive thing. Aggressive. There's something wrong with her. Um, uh, He's he's really um, busy and um, uh, his time is very valuable. She needs extra time she needs something 's wrong with her that she can 't turn it around fast enough, and so the exact same behaviors are perceived differently because of the glasses that gender that the, the gendered glasses that people have and so um, uh, for example when um, when our daughter was little, um, uh, Al would uh, look at a meeting, look at his clock, and say. I got to leave I'm taking my my daughter to the circus and people would applaud well, if a woman started to, in the middle of a meeting, suggested that uh, she was uh, had to leave the meeting to take her, her child to the circus, uh, you know what they would have said about her. And so it's just that uh, the expectations and the stereotypes are different. And that leads us to what women really need to be doing about having conversations with their partners about responsibilities and about sharing. And um, it turns out that men love to have relationships with their children um, but they need to sometimes they need to be prodded or encouraged and I and I do think that there's no blame here
0: I'm not blaming either side but sometimes women feel like you know their mother did this so they should do it and maybe they feel like I can do the dishes better because he doesn't do them very often I do them better but you know sometimes you have to let go Uh when it comes to those perfection uh you know tendencies right could
1: wake up in the middle of the night and rewash him but let him (laughs) do it the first time
0: yeah yeah it's not that hard really um anyway so that so that's good advice now let's talk about this path p-a-t-h tell us what these these different um methods are to try to um, minimize bias in the workplace.
1: Well, our first two books were about what women can do in gender-biased workplaces. And so this book, The Beyond Bias, is where we got to the point where we said, we're tired of talking about what women can do in gender-biased workplaces. What can organizations do to overcome gender bias? And so the PATH program is basically what we put together, uh, a unique way of trying to deal with, um, uh, you can't say to somebody, Somebody, don't be biased. And then they're going to say, okay, fine, I'm not going to be biased. And so what you really need to do is you have to change the systems and the procedures so that uh, bias can't get in the way. And this benefits men and women. It's not, a, it's not a path to just helping women. It's a path to equality. Everybody would get a fair shake. And so the P is to... Um, Uh, try to uh, uh, prioritize the elimination of um, exclusionary behavior. And that's really a key. And that's the first step. Even organizations that don't do anything else should try to deal with that. Everybody should feel welcome. People should go out of their way to make certain that if you're in a meeting, you're respected and you're given an opportunity to – say what you've got to say. And a lot of that goes on to the leader's obligations, that they need to be aware of what's happening.
0: So let's just take a concrete example. There's a meeting where there's 20 people in a conference room. What are the dynamics that happen that kind of nudge women out? And what should a boss be doing to make
1: sure that everyone is getting a fair opportunity to speak and be heard? Well, one of the most obvious examples is very often that a woman will say something brilliant and nobody reacts to it, and then five minutes later, Fred says exactly the same thing, and they break out a golden chariot and carry Fred around the room, <laughs> and she's sitting there with the smoke coming out of her ears, and so what happens there is that she needs to own her own accomplishment. She needs to own what she's what she said. Um, maybe it's to say something like, um, Fred, uh, that was a nice summation of what I said a few minutes ago. Let's elaborate on that. But it shouldn't be her job. The, the the leader of the meeting, other people in the meeting should have her back and should make sure that she does get credit. That's one example. Uh, very often uh, women will be passed over and not looked at in the meeting so that, that conversations are going on. And so one example um, that we have in, in, in Breaking Through Bias is oh, just a woman stands up and goes to get a cup of coffee or whatever but goes back and instead of sitting in her chair she puts her hand on the top of her chair and she starts talking they can't talk over you when you're asserting yourself in that kind of a way and so there's ways that women can help themselves but organizations need to be aware of this and welcoming all employees all people so andy you know I know here at WGN, we have
0: to take a uh, sensitivity training. You know, it's the video and you have to listen to it and, and, and then you take a little test. And I, I find them, you know, interesting. And, and I know a lot of workplaces make them mandatory. Do those things help people in when it comes to
1: gender bias? Most of the anti-bias training does not help advance the cause at all, primarily because most of the training is This is what a stereotype is. This is what a bias is. Don't be biased. Well, you know, you could say, don't smoke. Don't, don't eat that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And it's not going to change your behavior. And so that's really what the PATH program is about, which it is, is to take, take it away from the, um, uh, the, 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 the opportunities of people who may or may not be able to overcome their bias and just build systems that don't have bias baked in.
0: Let's talk about one more before we sure. have to go. Tell me one other thing that, that, that you have uh, in your PATH
1: program. Well, one of them is treating inequality, the T for PATH, is uh, treating inequality at home as a workplace problem. And the reason for that is that very often women want to, ours is ambitious, ours is talented are in some places more talented, uh, but they don't get the same opportunities because they have so many responsibilities at home. And so organizations need to think about be op- uh, offering more flexible workplaces. Maybe there's some child care that can be involved. And so, again, this is not something that we would suggest is offered only to women. It should be offered to everybody. And it does make a workplace, uh, enrich it, and it does go a long way towards eliminating the sorts of stereotypes and biases that affect our workplaces today.
0: I mean, you know, it just engenders uh, loyalty. You know, from people. I, I know um, bosses that do nice things for their workers, whether it's childcare or flexibility, or take a Friday off, or do this, or take an extra day of vacation. It goes such a long way to keeping good employees. Which is, you know, I, I'm an employer, and it's it's hard to to get and keep really good people working for you, and, and make them enthusiastic and come to work and like their job every day.
1: Absolutely. And the trick is that if they leave and you have to invest in somebody else, uh, it's an enormous expense as well as a lot of disruption. Absolutely. Andy Kramer, we
0: ran out of time. We're going to have to do this again soon. I highly recommend your book, Beyond Bias, The Path to End Gender Inequality at Work. And tell me the name of that first book for those
1: people who are uh, in the workplace and would like to get some tips on that. Uh, The first book is Breaking Through Bias, Communication Techniques for Women to Succeed at Work. All right. Thank you so much for coming in and joining us.